Warning. The following podcast contains two morons talking about sophisticated subject matter, like ninus and hoo-hahs. Also, a few whoopsie-daisies and at least one house or ante. If you don't have a strong stomach, you know where the door is. Right. On with the shenanigans, then. The podcast which you are about to hear is an account of the tragedy which befell two washed-up losers. In particular, Court Psyops and his immature co-host, Matt. It was all the more tragic in that they were uncultured morons. But had they lived very, very full lives, they could not have expected nor would they have wished to see as much of the mad and macabre as they were to see each week. For them, an idiotic podcast show became a nightmare. The events of each week were to lead to the discovery of one of the most bizarre crimes in the annals of American history, Cinema Psyops with Court and Matt. What is Psyops? Psyops for psychological operations is very simply the art of influencing how people feel and think and ultimately how they behave and what they do. You don't have to defeat the enemy on the battlefield. It's better if you can convince the enemy to do what you want him to do without having to fight him. And that's really the intent behind Psyops, to convince people to do what you want them to do. So how does PSYOPs fit into what's happening now? The two points I'd like to make with you and the audience is that, first and foremost, PSYOPs save lives. The second thing I'd like to say, a lot of people have misconception about PSYOPs. They think it's something deviant and brainwashing. say you don't know exactly what's going on right now, but we do know that there are some psyops going on, right? Ma'am, I don't know. Cinema psyops. And I believe with all of my heart that it is a contributing factor to our juvenile delinquency of today. Why I believe that is because I know how it feels. I know what it does to you. Cinema psyops. They think it's something devious and brainwashing. Welcome to the 276th consecutive week of mediocrity and vulgarity that is Cinema PsyOps. I'm your host, Court, developing his lungs for his own stupid fucking amusement and chilling all the way across the stinky as fuck city of Omaha is my co-host, Matt. And then, you know, it's going to get weird because, you know, David <laughs> David Lynch produced this show. Just this particular episode. So there's going to be a guy with a dog that has an eye patch and a wooden leg because it's a pirate dog, even though the guy's in a three-piece suit, and we don't know why. So there you go. That's that's the fucking episode right there. There will be a horse dancing with William Defoe under a traffic light that blinks yellow on one side but red on the other. Yeah. And yeah, a periodic yeah. green light flashes from nowhere that makes no sense at all. Finally. Now we're getting some culture around this show. We kid. Uh, I fucking love David Lynch, and I picked this movie because I feel that Wild at Heart is never really talked about by pretty much anybody. Like, I don't really, I've never really seen podcasts that have covered it, and if you've covered it out there and you've had a podcast, then I apologize that I apparently missed your episode, or maybe I just forgot because you've done like 12 fucking years of it and I didn't realize. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I gotta be honest. I So Wild at Heart, 
and I, I I googled it, and um, I did not see di- who the director was. All I saw was the cover box art, and when I saw it, my first thought was uh, like one of those early '90s couple runaway normal type films, you know, maybe with you know some sexual overtones and stuff. Something you saw in the early to mid '90s. That was a lot of these. A Kevin uh, guy, Costner movie. Yeah, or or like, you know, like the Christian Slater movie with uh, Patricia Arquette where they're running. It's always a couple, young couple, and they're running away from some sort of trouble. All that kind of stuff. And it is, but then when I'm watching it, I'm like, so yeah, David Lynch did this, right? And then I looked up, I'm like, yeah, I shouldn't see, see that coming. I mean, just everything earmarked him right there. So when you saw this, you thought this looks like True Romance, which was written by Quentin Tarantino and directed, yeah. I believe, by Oliver Stone, right? Yeah, but yeah, like a, ter- a True Romance type film, just, you know, that's how the box cover made it look. Okay. I mean, and it was just funny to me. And then it started going. I'm like, oh, n- nope, this is a take on that kind of film, but it is not that kind of film. <laughs> this film is Wizard of Oz through the lens of a spree killer that doesn't really do any spree killing. So it's just basically running just as fast as they can, holding on to one another's hands, <laughs> trying to get away into the night. And then they put their arms around each other and then they say, I think we're alone now. There doesn't seem to be anybody around. Right. But like with Wizard of Oz and shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like the scarecrow is hooked on meth and the Tin Man does have a heart, but it's a real human fucking heart that he carries and he like took it off a, a person. <laughs> Well, we're 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 giving review here without actually giving the review, so we need to. Hey, we don't get me wrong. I'm not even giving. Yeah, I'm not even giving him shit because I'm with you. It's fucking phenomenal. <laughs> it's an experience, and whether or not you like it is up to your own personal interpretation of Lynch's stuff. Yeah. Uh, we do have something that we need to correct from last week. We, we got super fucking punchy, and I had done a question time with everybody where I posted it on our Facebook group, and I never, you know, like they ask, we answer kind of thing. Yeah. And I didn't do that for 275, so we're going to do it right off the bat, right here, and then when we're done, we're going to take the break and move on to do the review, because otherwise we're just going to try and wrap our heads around what it was that we watched with the David Lynch movie, and that's yeah. not the time for that. So we're going to move past that. All right, all right. So for the question time that should have been on episode 275, but Punchy Court is stupid and forgot to go to the Facebook to look it up. Most of these are from Darren Wilson, by the way. Because <laughs> <laughs> okay. he's a trooper. There's only five, so. Is there a movie either of you have reviewed that you've since drastically changed your opinion on afterwards? Uh, during the review in Horror House on Highway 5 for me. Yeah. Um... Is there anything I changed my mind about? I think I changed my mind about how cool fucking cannibal movies can be. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, like, did you watch it and then immediately after the review, like, it went up in your estimation a little while after you thought of it? Or did you, like, for instance, we both love Suddenly in the Dark. Did it suddenly dawn on us that we're full of shit and we hate Suddenly in the Dark now? That kind of thing. Oh, yeah, something like that. Um, Can I say... uh... Jesus Christ, and all this shows. Because, see, for me, it's hard because I don't, for a lot of these movies, I didn't have any pre, you know, I didn't see it before. And then I watched it for the first time doing these reviews. So, for me, that's a that's a bit of a harder question. How about it reaffirmed, uh, it gave me a new appreciation for very low-budget movies and the directors who did them. And, and what they had to work with and what they were actually able to do in many of these movies. And for me, just about everything that we've ever reviewed tends to only go up in my estimation when we review it. Probably the only thing that went down or changed was... Um, no, I, Fuck, nothing really went down in my estimation. 
<laughs> yeah, well, that's a uh, childhood memory, not living up to childhood memory, and I own yeah. that. <laughs> but yeah, you're never going to change your mind about how much you fucking hate that movie. Um, no, fuck, fuck munchies. I think looking back, the only thing that's really have changed my mind is probably how harsh I was and pissy I was at season three of Ash vs. Evil Dead. Yeah, you, I, I, you, you were not a fan of season three. Well, I didn't like any of the riff stuff, and it just felt yeah. like they were trying to do, to me at the time, I was thinking that it was like too much like trying to be like Stranger Things. Oh, uh, okay. But they did set up, and I thought about it after we did the review, and I just let it out there into the world, but they did set up that there is like a uh, a sort of limbo type world that the demons feast on souls for eternity in, or they will hunt the souls after they've, you know, inhabited the person or wherever your soul gets thrown to, because that's where that professor guy was, and he mm-hmm. comes back from that void of the dead or whatever. And I thought about that, and I'm like, well, if that's what they're referencing, then yes, they set some precedents for it. They just really made it way too much like Stranger Things <laughs> and the Upside Down whenever we're actually in that world for my liking um but you know that's that's my fault that's uh, my disapproval of their ideas so you know <laughs> but there's it a lot of other, yeah there's a lot of other stuff that i really loved in season three it just feels like they jammed a bunch of ideas in that they couldn't get into another season because they weren't going to give the opportunity there you, you go know? yeah like i said um i uh, so maybe not so much a certain movie i changed my mind about but maybe i changed my mind more about low budget not just horror flicks but just low budget movies and what probably the casting crew and directors all you know how well they did with what they had and i i realize that and appreciate that a little bit more also from darren wilson of the psychosomatic podcast is matt psyop aware he hasn't opened messages i sent him in july um i am not darren uh but i'll uh i'll uh check that <laughs> Uh yeah yeah I'll uh, I'll check that out Darren um <laughs> dude is calling you out on your own he, fucking show he fucking really is it's uh that's some hurtful shit right there but uh, understandable because yeah I've I've um been I've been really yeah. heavily slacking on uh, uh on uh, the social media front and uh it's 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 something I gotta fix so okay you called me out you got me and uh I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna start correcting that. <laughs> <laughs> then Darren asks another question. Yeah. What movie that you love would you give up forever if you could wipe munchies from your memory? Oh, Jesus. What was so, <laughs> so basically, you have to give up a movie that you love. You have to give it up forever. It would never exist yeah. to you. You lose two movies here. You, In order to wipe munchies from your memory, you also have to wipe your memory and the existence of a movie that you love. Which movie are you willing to sacrifice to do that with? Mm, out of all of them? I, I, I think I'd wipe out... Uh... Man, I'd probably wipe out Monster Squad. Fuck you! That's a bad choice. That's a. It's either Monster Squad or. Ooh. It doesn't have to be the movie you love most. It just has to be a movie that you would say that you love. Oh, okay. Uh, you know what? I here in this will surprise. Um, I don't know. Maybe not surprise people, but it, it maybe not known to some of you. But I love this movie. I I would erase Star Trek Insurrection. I don't know why. I've always loved that particular film, and I would wipe that out uh, for 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 to get rid of munchies out of my brain. Hudson, and that's Hawk. something I love. I would get rid of Hudson Hawk to be able to wipe munchies from my brain. Jesus Christ! Okay, that that's 
Let's go far because I fucking love Hudson Hawk. <laughs> <laughs> I do too, but it's the movie that I can think of that I'm like, you know what? It yeah. would be enough of a sacrifice because I did enjoy that quite a bit in younger years. But if I can wipe that away from existence entirely, yeah, I think I'd be okay with it because I would never know that it's gone. And I'm not really denying people too much because there's very few people out there I think that love Hudson like I do. Or yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I'm I'm wiping out Star Trek Insurrection, which to a lot of Trekkies, that's their, one of their least favorite. I, I don't know why. I particularly love it. I've been in a big Star Trek kick lately, too. So I've been watching a lot more Star Trek films. But yeah, it's I, I for some reason, I loved it. And I, I you know, always been called out for that. But I'll never apologize for my love of that movie. So I, uh, but yeah, I'd get rid of it. I'd, I'd take it away. All right. Fancy Mark asks us if you guys could safely see any band right now and not worry about COVID or social distancing, who would it be? So what band have you been craving to see because fucking COVID has denied you? <laughs> I guess. I guess. Um, shit, I'm not a... That's a good question. I'm not the biggest like band, like seeing live music type person. Um, well, I can take yours. <laughs> I can listen yeah, to yeah. Bunch of yeah, you you're you're huge in the live music. I'm 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 becoming an old fogey, I think, in, in my days here. So um I, you know what? It's probably one band that I uh, I couldn't see anymore anyway because the lead singer's dead, and I I, I would have loved to have seen Stone Temple Pilots. Um, but of course, you know, heroin's a hell of a fucking drug. So, well, but, if you you can't resurrect people from the dead, you could yeah. see a, the latest incarnation of Stone Temple Pilots with whoever they have replacing Scott right. Island. So, I would I would probably I would definitely see Pearl Jam. I mean, that would definitely be something I would go see. <laughs> you are such a '90s guy. I fucking am, dude. I. <laughs> What do you want from me, man? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know for you to grow as a person, but I guess that's too much to ask. How fucking dare you? Of course, that's too much to ask. <laughs> I mean, who do you think I am? <laughs> well, uh, if I don't have to buy the tickets, I would love really, really good seats to see Queen again, even if it's oh. Like the way Adam Lambert performs with them, even now we can't get ready. Like if I have to yeah. go with that incarnation, but yes, I would love to see like, particularly like their live aid performance. I'll take just the 20 minutes. If I could be in that crowd with yeah. that, that music going, that'd be amazing. But okay, that's but not the, the question. Okay, you had a lot asked. better answer than me on yeah, this one. That's, see, like I said, that's I'm, not the I, question that was asked. The question yeah. that was asked is what band? And I would totally pick Queen. Uh, it's amazing. The show they put on is so fucking incredible. And Adam Lambert does a really, really good fucking job. And he freely states every concert. And it's been there with them long enough he shouldn't have to say this but he freely states every concert he's not replacing freddie no one ever will he's just trying to keep the music alive and that kind of thing you know yeah so uh, that's, that's who awesome man them. yeah because it was an incredible fucking show yeah i saw them perform on, on on just on television and it was really good and yeah he seems like a pretty i mean he's a great entertainer and he you know just seems like he's just really completely comfortable with where he is with the band and then he's like hey listen i'm not yeah so i i yeah that's a great another great answer yeah but <laughs> he's been with them long enough he should stop having to say that but i think yeah. he's always gonna have to say that and that's sad but anyway just, let's let's move on uh, yeah. <laughs> last question why hasn't matt done another episode drunk and then or has he um because matt is terrible on the air drunk he thinks he's funny when he's not and i pretty much have forbidden it although slightly buzzed matt or having like a hot toddy when he's sick i'm fine with as long as he keeps his shit together it, it's it's really funny i'm fucking yeah man i don't know man i'm just not drinking as uh as much as i used to uh you're, my you're age is <laughs> caught, caught up to me 
You're also like the reverse Doug Stanhope, though. Like he's funnier when he's trashed. You're not. <laughs> like you, you lose. You lose this your is, edge. You really this do. This is very true. Yeah, I'm not. I'm. I'm nowhere near funny when I'm hammered. No. Yeah, you pretty much just call everybody a whore and tell them to shut the fuck up with everything they say. Kinda. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm not a. I'm not a happy drunk. You don't want to be around me. I'm. I'm kind of a shit. So. Well, this wasn't to beat up on you that much. Man. <laughs> Kind of a, I'm a, I'm a real fucking raging loser. Um, all right, but- all right we got to pull you out of your K hole now. So we, <laughs> we're going to play the Legion GoFundMe promo. We're going to have a little bit of music that was yanked right out of the film Wild at Heart. So everybody be cool. Just be cool, people. There's no reason to get fucking weird. And when we come back, we will have the trailer. This is Bo from LegionPodcasts.com. Hey, it's been a crazy time, and when the world gets nuts, we're happy to offer some old-fashioned podcast entertainment. But for some folks, getting a laugh out of a show isn't really helping these days. People who depend on tips in their bartending jobs or have been put on furlough with no pay till the worst of this coronavirus threat has passed. That's a tough spot. That's why we set up a GoFundMe for members of our community, a sort of grand-scale take-a-penny-leave-a-penny. For people like myself, for whom the recent disruptions haven't kicked us out of work, well, we can drop a few of those extra pennies in the GoFundMe jar. For those who are directly affected by recent events and find themselves looking for money to pay the electric bill or keep the water on, well, how about you give me a shout at bo, B-O, at legionpodcasts.com. Let me know the situation and what you need, and we'll do our best to make life a little easier. And you can find links to the GoFundMe on the front page of legionpodcasts.com, on our Facebook group page, or on Twitter at Legion Podcasts, where it's the pinned tweet. For those of you who are able, thanks in advance for chipping in. And members of our community who need a hand, hey, here we are. Remember, stay safe, stay healthy, and we're all going to get through this together. Legion isn't just a name, it's who we are. Thanks for listening to all the shows here on Legion Podcasts. And we'll talk to you soon. Music's got me all ready to go. I'm going to be talking like Nicolas Cage does through this whole film. See, I'm going to be doing the worst Elvis impression you've probably heard until the clips play, man. Is Nicolas Cage just his personality a bad Elvis impersonation? I don't think I like that line of questioning, son. Matter of fact, I'm going to play this trailer at you. <laughs> Can I talk to Lula? You are not going to see him ever. Oh, I can't. 
go to the far end of the world for you, baby. A man can't ask for more than that. You move me, Sal. You really do. You want me to shoot Sailor in the brains with a gun? I didn't have much parental guidance. Baby, you better run me back to the hotel. You got me hotter in Georgia asphalt. This whole world's wild at heart and weird on top. Okay, this trailer perfectly encapsulates the film while telling you absolutely nothing about it, leaving you just as perplexed and confused as the film that we're about to review. Yeah, I mean, listen, if you're really confused right now, just get used to that feeling. Um, cause that's just what you're going to feel. That's, that's your only feeling. Just continue to breathe normally and remember it's just a movie. You will be fine when the review is done. It's a movie. Nice. All right. Wild at heart. First 20 minutes. We open up. We are in Cape Fear. Uh, see, uh, Nick Cage and Laura Dern. They're leaving this place and another dude stops him. And he takes Nick Cage to the side to tell him that he heard the mom tried to fuck him in the bathroom and now she's paying him to kill him and he takes out a knife so that's Nicholas not true Cage, that's not true what? she what told she told the killer that Nicolas Cage tried to fuck her in the bathroom oh yeah 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 and she was so disgusted by that that, that she is, is paying she, him to kill him to kill Nicolas Cage yes yes well Nick Cage uh, ends up beating the ever living fuck out of him and bashing him into his head till his brains fall out of his head he literally which, beats the man to death yeah he literally beats a man to death it's a pretty cool fucking effect too it's really it's really quite gross there are uncut shots of a lot of this kind of stuff with more brutality and violence particularly another death where a head goes missing yeah <laughs> um it, it was actually so gross and so out there that this film got an x rating for violence really um, this before they had an nc-17 that meant for adults only but not porn so david lynch was forced to cut it down and i don't know if we will ever see the unedited version of this stuff because this is just the regular theatrical release that we got from shot factory it is what it is well, it, it, it be what it be. Um, considering that, that got an R rating, and remember how fucking violent that was. Yeah, yeah, holy shit, that's true. So then um, he goes to jail, of course, Nick Cage does, uh, for manslaughter. And in the then, South, no, he would have gotten away with that. I mean, yeah, I mean, no, in the South, he only would have gotten away with it if he, you know, would have killed the guy um, with a gun, not with his bare hands. That's Bare hands is just rude. With a gun, that's America. So um, Maybe if he had a badge, he would have definitely gotten away with it. If he had a badge. Okay, well, now you, if you're going to add in that caveat, yeah. Well, if you're yeah, going to give him a gun, I'm just going to give him a badge. And I mean, then yeah, he can okay. kill whoever he wants, however he wants, and he's fine. That's that's true. That That's very true. So anyway, uh, he goes to jail and he tries calling his lady friend, his gal, but the mother will not permit him to talk to, uh, to talk to her. So the mother is definitely, you know, trying to keep them all very much apart. In this case, she's trying to say that he tried to fuck her. So she's trying to keep him away from her daughter because she thinks he's a scumbag. But we see that's not the case. Yeah, that's 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 definitely <laughs> not the case. <laughs> So then he gets out of prison and his gal goes to pick him up, which, uh, you know, does not uh, make
make the mom very happy, but she goes anyway. She picks him up, and they get right to boning uh, pretty quickly. They get right to a place where they can bone because, you know, they've been apart for a while. It so. dissolves into them fucking in a very tantric position. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they are definitely into some stuff going on around here. So, which, you know, it's good for them. Why not? <laughs> hey, they're two healthy, consenting adults and apparently yeah. both really good at what they do because they like fucking each other. Let them have it. Yeah, right? I mean, come on, man. Leave, leave these two kids alone. Let them, let them enjoy themselves. Uh, so... Uh, so then, um, they're having some pillow talk, and the girl talks about, uh, the, uh, her first time having sex, apparently, well, was actually a rape. One of her father's associates raped her, and the mother actually walked in and, and found out about it, and then she tells the story about how that guy died in a fiery car wreck. And it's heavily implied that, um, this man was murdered in a fiery car wreck, not died, and, you know, good, because he deserved to die. She's saying one thing, but we're seeing her memories of it, of what's yeah. actually happening, and what's actually happening is she was raped by the guy yep. her mother caught that happening she tried to say that that didn't that no one found out about it or whatever and yeah. then he died later in a car crash when what happened is the mother walked in on the aftermath of it saw her daughter laying there crying after being violated slapped the fuck out of the guy and then later on had him murdered by having his car crashed with yep. him in it it's and shown that in the memories even though she's saying the story of she never yeah. knew about it or whatever she didn't know what was going on and stuff like that well well and mom knows what's going on it establishes the violent protection and borderline overprotection of her daughter i can't really fault a woman for having the man who raped her 13 year old daughter murdered i can't fault her for that decision yeah i can't either um i would you know probably also want that kind of a justice you know it's not necessarily justice it's a type of vengeance but it was still yeah. something that i could totally see and be okay with and then immediately tell them i will never tell anyone that they did that yeah exactly <laughs> oh wait that's satire by the way everybody satire i mean yeah, yeah tote satire so, um, uh, then we cut to mom and her boyfriend are talking. Um, her boyfriend is some sort of investigator and he says that, um, uh, he will be able to find her daughter and bring her home. But, um, mom doesn't like, she doesn't think she's taking it seriously or she's really just fucking, you know, losing it. And she says she's going to go to, uh, uh, a gangster, some gangster to help her. And Santos. Santos. And the guy really tells her not to, um. And then we get, uh, you know, then they, he kind of even talks about, you know, listen, uh, she goes, you know, you can't let my baby be with that murderer. And he's like, you know, she, he's not a murderer. He didn't kill anybody. It was manslaughter. You know, that guy came after him with a, with a gun or with a knife. He came after your daughter with a knife. And, um, he goes, you were there, weren't you? And then she was like, yeah, I was there. And then she remembers it and we see her memory of it. Well, not her. Well, it is her memory of it, but. It's of her in the uh, drunk hitting on him in the uh, bathroom. He goes to go to the bathroom and she's like, I want, you know, she keeps saying how much she wants to fuck him. Well, not only that, but she keeps saying, wouldn't you like to fuck your sweet Lulu's mama? Yeah. And yeah, it's like, could you come on in a creepier fucking way to try and turn somebody on? It, I mean, it is fucking weird. So then uh, we go uh, back to uh, Nicholas Clage and Laura Dern there. And uh, she's they're kind of both talking 
And um, and he uh, tells her that her mom is going to be a problem and that they need to kind of figure out what their next plan is going to be. And then we get uh, and then we get another flashback where the mom where he kind of denies the mom, pushes her away. And then she gets all like, well, maybe you'll just have an accident, too. She pretty much tells him that, you know, she's going to have him killed now and that, you know, there's no, you know, sweet Lola will never see him again because he's going to, you know, be fucking dead, apparently. So. So that's fucking awkward as shit. Um, and in fact, in fact, even brings up the fact that like something like this may, she even alludes to like something like this may have happened to her Lulu, uh, Lola's father as well. Like maybe she had her father killed, you know, her husband. Um, so, uh, then they go dancing. They want to go dancing. So the couple goes dancing at a rock show. This dude, uh, disrespects, uh, speed metal. Yeah, speed metal. And, uh, guy kind of disrespects, uh, our young lady, Laura Dern there. And so, uh, Nick Cage has to fucking do something about it. And... He rape dances her. Yeah. <laughs> like, he just grabs onto her and starts thrashing up against her and, like, getting all weird. And it's gross. Uh, this guy deserves what he gets yeah yep and nick cage doesn't do anything too bad to him you know he kind of he embarrasses him but that's about it and he tells him to get the fuck off of her yeah. he tells him makes to her says say you know say you're sorry yeah and don't... he does he right right well when the guy doesn't say he's sorry the guy like goes to kick his ass he says don't fuck with me or whatever the guy tries to be macho nick yeah. cage takes him down with like a punch and then yeah. like trips him up and shit and he's on the, the guy's on his ass in a matter of seconds if yes. that then he helps him up and he's like look man i don't mean to embarrass you but you know but you you disrespected you know you're being a dick and the guy apologizes and uh walks away did you hear what laura dern's character said what lula uh, said to him what, she said? something like oh hell you just picked the wrong girl to dance uh, up on or something yeah shit yeah because like yeah, you, <laughs> yeah he oh you just picked the wrong girl <laughs> Which diminishes what he was doing that wasn't right in the way that he was treating her. People get really fucking greasy on Laura Dern's character. And yeah. I think she's just been taught to just like accept that it's supposed to be her fault. And that's fucked up. But that's, that is... I wanted to point out that she actually says that it's really not his fault. She completely dismisses what he did that was wrong. Just yeah. saying that he just picked the wrong girl. No, you picked the wrong person because you didn't have consent with what you did. And it was very sexual up... the way you were dancing up on her. You deserve to have your ass handed to you. Yeah, you just went up on somebody thinking that you have all right to their body which is fucking horrendous and very very wrong right but i just wanted to point that out that i feel like because of what happened to laura dern she hasn't been able to grow from that victimhood state at this point in her life yeah like she's that, still you know, you're probably exactly right there's she, a lot of trauma there right and i'm not saying victimhood and not like she's playing the victim or like she's doing this for attention or anything like that like i mean she's in repeat patterns from being victimized she yeah she's, she's in, stuck in she, that repeat pattern and she probably has severe uh, PTSD from all this that she has not properly dealt with yet, because again, this is also in the 90s, so, you know. And we also need to kind of talk about it. Her character is uh, hypersexualized, which can be a tendency yep. of someone that is trying to recuperate from a sexual trauma. Yes. To own their yep. own body and be in control and make the decisions overtly so with it. That does kind of happen, so maybe that's what's going on with her character. Um, that could be. This is all kind of apparent at this scene in the club, because not only the way she's dancing, but also the way that she reacts to a guy that dances up on her like that and the fact that she's with a man that would literally rip someone limb from limb for doing something like that to 
her? Yes. And oh. then just laughing it all off. Like, uh, hey, you know, it's no big deal. Whatever. And, you know, no, that's that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. It, it needs to be brought up and it needs to be discussed because this is all stuff that we're going to have to be digging into for the analyzation. And I'll, I'll, just, I'll stop it there. I just wanted to point out that that's my line of thinking for her character. And I have more for Nicolas Cage's, but that hasn't been revealed just yet. Yes. In fact, it's good that we kind of did all that talking because that was the end of that 20 minutes. So that was the opening 20 minutes of the film. Okay. Yeah. Well, we did the pretty much all the analyzation yeah. stuff that we needed to do um, for that as well. Um, let's move to the next 20 minutes. That was uh, Kismet, right? <laughs> yes. So um, we start out the next 20 minutes, more bony. They're having some more sex. Can, um, can we talk about the, the eroticism of this real quick? Yeah, go ahead, man. Um, it's like a bonathon. for me. It's like a bonathon. <laughs> um, like you would get a training montage. You're getting a bonathon montage. And Which I was supposed to what would happen if you were in prison for a few years and you know didn't get to see your lady friend. Homeboy's backed up and he's he's got a yeah. he's got a deal. Yeah. Yeah. And, um gauging on how strong they feel that they're in love for each other, I would not be shocked if Laura Dern's character remained celibate for him. Yeah, it very well could have, yeah. It could have been a thing, it might have been an unspoken thing. The film doesn't really say that, but they are in this sequence having sex like not only they're making up for lost time, but they have so little time to get it done in. Yes. <laughs> like, well, maybe it, it helps with the fragility of the uh, the situation. They have no; they've seen their time get taken away from them instantaneously, and for years. So now it's like you never know when you're going to get another shot at that. That's that's absolutely you know? true. Yeah, um, the way that they also film this that that very desperate need to physically consummate your love for each other that they yeah. put on film the way that they capture that puts a lot of the like red shoe diaries late night cable 90s sex scene stuff to shame and oh, i'm big time i'm wondering like how much more graphic this would have gotten in an unrated version that probably existed but got rated x and chopped up oh gee yeah i don't know man i saw a lot more laura Dern than i ever thought i was gonna see so I mean. dude i watched it on my projector and i saw a lot more of nicholas cage than i thought i ever wanted to see <laughs> I mean, yeah, all, all of that seems, uh, uh, they, they definitely had some things going on. Well, um, they have, you have two very beautiful bodies. This is probably them in their best shape. Both of them. Probably. I mean, they're, yeah, yeah, probably just rolling around in the hay together, doing all of these erotic, like sexual exploitative stuff. And some of it gets pretty, um, damn violent. There's one scene where he's got like, he's got her in a fucking headlock and they're going at it doggy style and it looks really fucking brutal, but like, she seems really into it <laughs> yeah yes yeah there is a scene where he's like really going to pound town and, <laughs> right. Uh, right population you bro i guess i don't know man <laughs> But like it's um it's some really intense stuff that they put in there and you just basically get this feedback loop of intensity with this film. Like you don't really get anything let up. There's never really any like moments that you just get to breathe. No, no, it's always it's always going there. I mean <laughs> it's always right, there's yeah. always something going on. But we, um, we, we gotta keep going, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you're fine. Um then uh while they're kinda have some pillow talk, she asked why uh he didn't sing because he sang her a song also during that day after the guy disrespected. Her, I should have said, uh, and he set him straight. Uh, he also uh, sang her a song. Okay, another uh, thing we got to talk about again. Jesus, everything yeah. we're gonna have to talk about. Uh, um, they're at a speed metal show, and he beats the shit out of a guy, but he actually stops the band just by putting up the "I love you" symbol at them. Yeah, like everybody just quiets down just because he raises his hand. Suddenly, yeah. he's in command of the universe. He it must be 
be known in that bar. It becomes super quiet. And then he talks to the guy. The guy insults his fucking snakeskin jacket, which he talks about it being a symbol of his individuality. But he doesn't yeah. do anything about that. He's like, you know, that's my woman. You know, blah, blah, blah. You disrespected her. Gets into the fight. And then immediately says, you fellas know this one. And the band just like the singer just throws him the mic. Like not only is he known in this bar, but like basically he's in command of this world. They throw him a mic and then he immediately sings Love Me, Love Me Tender. No, he doesn't sing Love Me Tender. No, uh, he sings another song to her because she asks, why didn't you send me Love Me Tender? Because that was his, that's his favorite song. And he says he will only sing that song to his wife. Yes. So what he does end up singing though, instead of Love Me Tender is just Love Me. It's just the, the song Love Me is what it is. Yeah. Uh, treat me like a fool, treat me mean and cruel. And he yeah. does a full-fledged Elvis performance complete with girls swooning the audience all of a sudden oh. like are all into him. Yeah. Oh, the moshing stops and then it turns into like a fucking Beatles concert or some shit. It's just a, it's a fucking performance of Elvis being channeled through Nicolas Cage in a snakes and skin leather jacket. Yeah, pretty I mean, much. That's what's happening on the screen. But like th- up until this point, the film felt very straightforward in its narrative and then this happens and you just kind of go, okay. Yeah. You, right. you have to kind of try and wrap your head around what you're what you're seeing, but especially his his little monologue about his jacket. That's you just kind of you're like okay, uh. <laughs> right? Uh, so this film is going to do a lot of stuff like that, um, but we are going to have to talk about it. Um, and what we think that that actually represents in some way, shape or form, I think. Yeah. Um, but like, basically, I just feel like this dude is hallucinating when I'm watching this. Like, I just think these two are just in their own fucking world and thinking everything's about them. That he started a fight at a fucking show, beat the shit out of the guy, then sang love me to his girl and the rest of the world stopped for them. But that's not what's actually happening. They were getting thrown out of the bar right after that. <laughs> probably. Like, he probably didn't sound that good when he sang uh, love me. He probably <laughs> Right, right. Like they were probably hammered or whatever, and this is what they yeah. think happened, but not actually what happened. That's how I've always looked at it. I, I know. I kind of like that. Yeah, that's nice. Like that they're just out of their head, and these are their little fantasy world things that are happening because they're fucking also pretty crazy. They're both mentally disturbed. Yeah. Well, that's a fact. <laughs> well, anyway, the pillow talk continues, and that's our first clip. Sailor baby, you ever think something and hear a wind? And see the wicked witch of the east coming flying in. I really did miss your mom while I was out of pity, baby. The rest of you too, of course, but the way your head works is God's own private mystery. What was it you was thinking? Well, I was thinking about smoking, actually. My mama smokes Merritt's now. Used to be she smoked Viceroy's. I started stealing them from her in about sixth grade. When did you start smoking, Sal? I guess I started smoking when I was about four. My mom was already dead then from lung cancer. What brand did she smoke? Marlboro's, same as me. I guess both my mama and my daddy died of smoke or alcohol-related illness. Geez, say, honey, I'm sorry. It's okay, honey. I didn't hardly used to see them anyways. I didn't have much parental guidance. The public defender kept saying that at my parole hearing. He was a good old boy. 
stood by me. I'd stand by you, Sal. Through anything. Hell, Peanut. You stuck by me after I planted Barbara Lemon. A man can't ask for more than that. You move me, Sal. You really do. You mark me the deepest. You're perfect for me, too. You remind me of my daddy, you know. Mama told me he liked skinny women with breasts that stood up and said hello. <laughs> he had a long nose, too, just like yours. Did I ever tell you how my daddy died? In a fire, as I recall. Yeah. Mama told me he poured kerosene all over himself and lit a match. That was a year before I met you. We can see there's some problems there. He started smoking when he was four. So Nicolas Cage's uh, character was neglected and physically abused as a child. That explains why he is so good at violence and so short-tempered. And Laura Dern has a kind of an unhealthy obsession with her father and the fact that, you know, she kind of is dating her father, apparently, according to her. Right. There's also that. And also, um, she knows too much about her father's sexual proclivities told to her by her mother. Yes, yes. By the way, the lady who plays her mother in this film is real-life mother of Laura Dern. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. And her father is Bruce Dern, by the way. Who's Bruce Dern? I assume that you have seen The Burbs, right? Yes. Rumsfeld in The Burbs. Yes. Okay, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. I knew that was the shortest way to get the explanation yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, I love The Burbs. So yeah, <laughs> good job. Yeah, the actress who plays her mother is named Diane Ladd, and who's actually her real mother in real life. Uh, would you say also, just based on what we hear in that first clip that both sailor and lula are stuck in a uh, immature state like where they're not fully grown mentally like they they seem as though they have preteen mindsets stuck in their head definitely okay definitely yeah so they're both pretty regressed people and they're almost she's almost infantilized in some cases where she's almost like a completely helpless child like a toddler in some ways sometimes her character is like that yeah you're you're no you're exactly right they are both very um yeah yeah they're very they both mentally stop maturing far too early but that's quite normal coming out of abusive households that they're both coming out of yes he was definitely neglected and it's hinted at that he was physically abused as well yeah um yeah she was obviously sexually assaulted and possibly could have been further sexually abused in some way shape or form we don't know she has a fixation sexually on her deceased father who killed himself and her mother obsessively controls every aspect of her life and apparently fucks all of her boyfriends against their will or at least tries yeah it's easy to see why these are very heavily damaged people yes it is very easy to see that 
They are um, they are not doing well. This is a feel-good movie for Thanksgiving, Matt. It really is. Uh, it makes you give thanks for a lot of stuff. Mostly so, not living their lives. Exactly. Um, so then uh, the mom's boyfriend calls her, and she is freaking out. Uh, he says he's heading to New Orleans, that he's tracked them, that they have gone, that he believes they're heading to New Orleans. So he's going there. She's freaking out like he's not actually doing anything. She's lost her godforsaken mind. She is just fucking out of it. Is this where um, she starts eating her fucking makeup and shit? Not quite yet, but we're we're getting there. Okay. It, that's coming up very soon. But yeah, that's fucking This is where she spontaneously too. starts rubbing her face on stuff and smearing off the makeup that was currently Currently on. Yes, yes, yes. This that is there you go. That's where we're at. And God, you know, Diane Ladd just fucking goes for it, doesn't she? She really does. The, I mean, some of David Lynch's stuff, with the way he directs, is as an actor, you somewhat overact, and, and she does it. But for some reason, in his movies, it just fucking works. Where it would seem like really shitty and stuff and other things in David Lynch movies, it just it fucking works. Because he knows how to use surrealism. Yes, there you go. That, that's yeah. There you go. that would be the the best way to put that. And then we cut to the couple is very much driving. They're getting ready to leave town. Um, so he's very right. Then the mom she has a meeting with Santos, and uh, she asks him to help, but he says if he helps her to kill Sailor, then he gets to kill her current boyfriend. And while she's bothered by that, he's like, unfortunately, I have to do this he can cause us a lot of problems and she's like no 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 don't 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 and he's like don't worry about it and he leaves so she's just kind of like no wait she already thinks she's kind of fucked up there um so then we see santos he calls another man who is sitting on a toilet while a topless girl is dancing he says he has a problem and the man says that's fine he'll help just slide two silver dollars into his coin slot and then a, like a note as well as to what the problems are um, um, so, I mean, this is fucking awkward and a half. So anyway, um, let's see here. So he does so. He, you all of a sudden see this mail slot and then you see, um, two coins drop in there with the note. So he does all this. This man, his name is Mr. Reindeer. And he, uh, calls, uh, two hit people, uh, to get the job done. Um, we see in the, or we are now in New Orleans and the couple is of course boning because listen, once you get into New Orleans, it, it's, it's, uh, it's time to get crazy. And if you're not going to get crazy, well, I don't know what the fuck you're doing then in New Orleans. It's, uh, it's, it's wrong. Um, <laughs> okay. I don't know. Fuck. I don't know. It's fucking, what is it? Vegas or something? I don't know. Whatever happens anywhere is always going to leave someplace because the fucking internet. So, um, uh, they, uh, then they head out to a, a nice little club and, and uh, then this guy comes and talks to him in a very David Lynch style. Uh, this guy comes talking and he's got like a helium voice. Just his voice sounds like he's just taking a shit ton of helium. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's what it sounds like. And so it was just one of those weird David Lynch moments where the main characters meet these weird characters that have really no basis on the story. They're just almost there for like entertainment purposes. I don't believe that's the case. Oh, really? Yeah. Um. Um, they are meeting the different people that they're meeting because we're being led to different parts of Wizard of Oz. The guy has a high-pitched voice because he's basically the munchkins in the lollipop guild as they start on their journey to oh, man. take care of the Wicked Witch of the West and to help save Oz, which is them. 
Their relationship is Oz. They are both basically Dorothy because unless they're together, they're not a complete person. They need each other to be a complete person because they're both broken in the same ways and they're a functioning adult together, but apart, they are not (laughs) in any way, shape or form grown up enough to be able to function. So therefore, they're like a Dorothy and all the people they meet along the way that we're going to run into here and there are just parts of Wizard of Oz and these are the munchkins. That's why the guy has a high-pitched voice, man. Huh. All right. I I can get down with that. Nice. Cool. Yeah. If he would have gave them a lollipop, it would have been more obvious. Yeah, right. I learned something today. Okay. So uh, the mom's boyfriend, we see he is uh, almost there and he is on his way. So um, then the uh, mom calls Santos. Uh, She's sending to have second thoughts, but he's like, it's too late. Everything's signed. What's going to happen is going to happen. And this is when she starts freaking out. And this is when she starts going a little crazy on the lipstick. Just a tad. So another man, he comes to Mr. Reindeer's uh, dinner party with a kind of crazy looking lady. And he has the coin and he said, here's an envelope you need to leave at the scene once the job is done. So the guy's like, oh, okay. I I can do that. What does he care? They take that and they leave. So then Sailor, he tells, uh, we go back, he tells a story about hooking up with some lady. Um, When he's like, I put my hand between her legs and all this kind of stuff and it's starting to make Laura Dern hot listening to the story and this lady likes getting it on in a room full of guns and all this kind of stuff. That's a, that a hell of a hell of a little tale he was telling there. Yeah, but she also refuses to suck him. She says it right out. And yes, then tells, yeah, that's right. And then tells him that he needs to take a bite out of a Georgia peach. Yeah, yeah. He has to go down on her, but she will not go down on him. Right. And that description and that tale and then the erotic visuals we get of what we're seeing there, which is basically we're seeing Laura Dern's perspective and she's thinking yeah. about that stuff and that's making her hot. And she says that she is hotter than Georgia Asphalt. Yes. <laughs> I'm hotter than Georgia Asphalt. Well, that just made uh, me sick. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm glad I could help. So anyway. I um, was turned on thinking about Laura Dern getting all hot for that story, and now it's ruined. <laughs> oh, you're fine. Everyone's fine. So then um, then we get more boning, and that ends that 20 minutes. So kind of a lot of build up here in this 20 minutes. There's a little bit more kind of getting everybody where they're supposed to be going. We see they are heavily damaged people, that they are not each a whole person until they get together. They literally complete each other. Um, ordinarily, yes. that's a cliche, but... They are both extensions of the same being, which is them together. They, they're they completely useless apart. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we see that time and time again. But as long as they're together, they're going to be just fine. They're the embodiment of a Bon Jovi song. They got each other and that's enough for them. They'll give that's it a shot. That's all they got. Yeah. They're halfway there. <laughs> living on a prayer. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's enough. Anyway. Okay. So. We get more pillow talk and a quick view. This is mom again. She's really spreading the lipstick on now. Um, uh, yeah, she's looking as though she's getting into red face with the lipstick. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 pretty hardcore here. Yeah, but it's um, like a fire engine, really bright, garish red that could never possibly be a human skin tone. A clown is like this is getting ridiculous, lady. <laughs> that red you're, is a bit much. That you're you're going overboard. So then we cut to Laura Dern actually has some more stories to tell in her pillow talk, and that's our next clip. Told you about Sailor. And this here's a story with the lesson about bad ideas. What was that? Well, my cousin Dale was always fighting bad ideas. 
See, Dale loved Christmas. We used to call him Jingle Dale. He wanted Christmas to last all year long. He sure would scream out when his mama told him it was summertime and Christmas was six months off. And also, he would say that he felt those men with black rubber gloves was following him around. Dale said that trust and the spirit of Christmas was destroyed by ideas being controlled by aliens wearing black gloves. These aliens would get Dale to do all kinds of things. Then he'd carry on about the weather. Talk about how rainfalls controlled by aliens living on Earth. Aunt Rudy told Dale that one day he would realize that the alien wearing the black gloves was him and him alone. Well, it sounds like old Dale's more than just a little bit confused, Peanut. Well, Dale was learning a hard lesson. He got so he'd stay up all night making sandwiches. Dale. What are you doing? I'm making my lunch! Mama told me Aunt Rudy, this Dale's mama, found cockroaches in Dale's underwear. One time, she found Dale putting one big cockroach right on his anus. Hell, Peter. <laughs> it ain't so funny now, though. Dale disappeared. Nobody's seen him since. It's too bad he couldn't visit that old Wizard of Oz and some good advice. Too bad we all can't, baby. Man, uh, it's always good to get a good Crispin Glover. Is it, though? Is it? I mean, sometimes. <laughs> that is fucking right? nightmare fuel. We see that mental illness runs in her family, clearly, and, like, severe chemical imbalance, like, schizophrenia-type mental illness runs in her family. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, they definitely got problems. <laughs> yeah, like, it's not... I mean, after seeing the way that her mother is behaving, clearly her mother was passing as okay and holding it together because of all the power she exerted over her daughter, and she has gone completely around the bend now that she cannot control her daughter. Yeah. <laughs> And this story about her fucking cousin who is played by Crispin Glover, I don't need to explain anything else, frankly. He's insane <laughs> as well. Oh, yeah. He's a fucking nut. But, I mean, fun, right? I mean... <laughs> yeah, the Santa Claus I mean, thing was fucking creepy as shit. Crispin Glover dude, terrifies me in this. Yeah, and he should. He's fucking terrifying. He's, he's, he's Crispin got, Glover. He's got severe mental problems because he's Crispin Glover. Uh, okay, so then mom calls the boyfriend her boyfriend, and this is where her face is now completely and totally covered with uh, with lipstick. I mean, her face is red. She looks like Brother Love from WWF days. She she definitely looks like Brother Love. Uh, it is horrific. She's losing her mind, which seemingly, uh, I guess, is running in the family, mental illness. So she tells him that she did a bad thing, but she cannot tell him over the phone what she did. She needs to see him in person. So she's going to be coming down to... Um, 
uh, New Orleans. And he goes, when she gets down there, she'll tell him what she did, and then she's going to help find her daughter. And they'll find her together. And then she goes and she throws up. <laughs> because, you know, what the hell. She's obviously been drinking and chain smoking since this has happened. Yeah. So she throws up because that's what happens. Matt, I don't know. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. True. Uh, so. Hurtful, but stop, true. Stop, stop telling silly truths. All right. No one wants to hear you. <laughs> all right. So the couple then, they uh, get gas. And this is a kind of funny, cute little scene. She She's dancing for some guy, an old guy who's just kind of sitting there, you know, enjoying the show. It, you know, she's just dancing around and stuff. So you're kind of like, ah, oh, that's that's kind of adorable. That's nice. Um, and then uh, she she asks um, Sailor if, she, if he would like her to drive for a bit. And he agrees because he's getting really tired. So she's like, yeah, no problem. I'll, I'll drive. Um, and, uh, as she's driving, um, the radio is nothing but death. Like people having sex with corpses, people eating people, you know, a whole bunch of fucking just bad, bad shit. And it's all and, on the news. And I don't yeah. see what's wrong with any of these actions that are being described. Well, they bother her a lot. And she pulls over to the side of the road and she's like, you need to find music for me right now. Find some music. You got to find some something and so very very yeah. childish in the way that she's stomping around and demanding yeah, it very like, oh my god just stomping in a freaking oh it's yeah it's pretty disturbing when he almost know, how, goes into like a big brother mode whenever he's trying to find the music and when he finally yeah. does it's the same song that they've been like crazy in love about which is by yes. that band power mad that they went to go see the speed metal band and so they they dance like maniacs to it <laughs> Yeah, and he, yeah, yeah, they they mosh in a field, and then they start slow dancing in a field. So then we cut to a dinner with mom and boyfriend, and that's our next clip. Johnny, I can't. I can't take it now, honey. Listen, is there any way, any way that we could get out on the road tonight? Honey, something was upsetting you bad last night when you called, and you wanted to tell me. So I figured if you wanted to tell me that you wanted me to help you. I did. Oh, I did. But that was last night. Right now, I need your help, and we have to find Luna before it's too late. Honey, I have to ask you something. Okay. Is Sandals involved in this in any way? Hell no. You think that I would do something like that without coming to talk to you first? I'm sorry, honey. Goddamn Buczynski, son of a bitch. Who, Uncle Pooch? Yeah, Uncle Pooch, the son of a bitch that introduced Santos to you and Clyde. Johnny, that's all the past. Right now, what you and I have to do we have to think about our future, sugar. You mean that? You bet your sweet ass I do. Gosh. Did I tell you how great it was to see you again? <laughs> Just about five times, that's all. Sugar. You know, Lula, 
I never told you what all I was doing before I met you. Well, I just figured you was out being Mr. Cool. Not exactly, Sugar. One reason we're in all the trouble we're in right now is because of what I was doing. I tried to tell you this before. You're scaring me, baby. Well, there's a good side as well as a bad side to it. And the good side is I knew your daddy, and I thought Clyde was a good old guy. You knew my daddy? Yes, I did. I sure did. The bad side of it is I did some driving for a man named Marcelo Santos. Oh, shit. I quit working for him. Just before I did, I ended up one night at a house. I didn't know it then, but it was your house. I don't know what it is they all think I saw that night, but I was just sitting out in the car till the whole place went up in flames. Oh, God, Sailor. That's the night my sweet daddy died. I know, sugar. Some big secret you've been carrying, Sail. We all got a secret side, baby. Hope you don't think I've been lying to you about other things. Wow. That's a big reveal. Yes. So he's been driving for Santos, and apparently they think he saw something, and they want him dead. But it's also the night that the house caught on fire, and her father burned up, and Santos was there, and we also know that Santos is willing to kill for Lula's mother for whatever fucking reason, as long as he gets what he wants, which is her. I mean, put two and two together, you already know where this is going. And during all of this, she sees her mother as the Wicked Witch flying next to the car. Yes. She'll get you my pretties. Mm-hmm. And so then the mom and the boyfriend, they get back to the hotel. He sends her to her room to pack. He goes to his room and he is attacked and knocked out. And that's the end of that 20 minutes. So we go into the next 20 minutes. Um, The uh, couple are driving down the road and they see just a road full of clothes. And what they come upon is a really bad car wreck. And he, they like walk around. They see this girl walking around the car wreck and she has an injured head and she's looking for her purse. And she keeps bringing that up. Like she can't remember. She keeps telling him, she goes, I got to find my my purse uh don't tell my mom i lost it it has all my stuff in it and then she go I, I lost my purse don't tell my mom she keeps doing that and they're trying to get her into the car to get her help uh but then she falls down and then blood just starts pouring out of her mouth and she dies she so, is the scarecrow yes oh is she's a scarecrow if she only oh, had a brain. brain if she only had a brain she had a severe trauma to her head which clearly damaged her brain which has got her locked in a loop of trying to find a purse yeah she's the scarecrow there you go. Damn. Look at that. Um, then, uh, so then the couple leaves and because, you know, if the cops show up and he's there, he's broken his parole. So, um, then we cut to the mom is at the hotel. She's in the lobby. She's complaining to hotel staff about her boyfriend being missing. And they can't find him. Then the staff says they found a note in his room and it says he's gone fishing with a friend and maybe even buffalo hunting. Uh, so, uh, then Santos shows up and the mom at first is scared, but then she relents and says, that Santos has never let her down before and he won't this time. Uh, so then we cut to the the two hit people. They're sitting there and they have the boyfriend all tied up. Uh, they show him the Santos ring, the one he's always wearing. And as they make out a lot and then they count to 10 and then they shoot him, killing him. 
So, uh, then we cut to, uh, uh, Sailor and Lulu. They, uh, they stop in a little town and Sailor checks in with a woman to see if, uh, there's a contract out on him. Apparently they had worked together before. Um, he finds out that the mom in Santos actually killed the girl's dad from this woman. Uh, but when he says are there any contracts, cause they had a deal that they would always let each other know, she said she hasn't heard anything. Um, just to let you know, the older lady, Hit woman has the same hair as this lady. So be that as it may. Given the um, golden curls in her hair, would you say yeah. that she's the cowardly lion? She does run. Isn't that the Possible. next one that she meets up with? And then they see no, the tin, it's, no, it's uh, Tin after Man. After Scarecrow, it's Tin Man. Okay, so could she possibly be? She could be She could be Tin Man with no heart. <laughs> she definitely could be, yes. <laughs> yeah. She could definitely be the Tin Man with no heart. Yeah. Um. So they uh, go back to a room. Uh, he goes back to the hotel room they got, the motel room, and she had thrown up. She had couldn't find the toilet was on the floor. She says she has car sickness and asks if they can stay for a couple days uh, just to let her settle. And he says, yes, of course. Um, that Later on that night, they're hanging out in the motel courtyard with some weird folks. And what the fuck? That's our next clip. Robert Brenton and two passengers, William Reese and Julie Day were killed when his car went off the road on Highway 118. Robert Brenton, that dumb fuck, that stupid shit. That fucking Bob is so fucking dumb, he deserved to die, that asshole. Hey, Timmy, what's going on over there in number four where all them bright lights are all the time? Them are making a pornographic movie. Texas stop. You want to join in? <laughs> One thing about surviving a big tuna, you got to have an active sense of humor. <laughs> what you doing? This here is Bozy Spool. We call him Double Out Spool. Man, there's a rocket scientist. My dog barks some. <laughs> Mentally, you picture my dog, but I have not told you the type dog which I have. Perhaps you might even picture Toto from the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> but I can tell you my dog is always with me. Bobby. Hey, Sailor, Lula. This here is the man himself. Bobby is Sailor and Lula. Two most recent strandees. The economic variety. Bobby Peru. Just like the country. Bobby just rolled into town a couple days ago. Yeah, Bobby here is the most exciting item to hit Big Tuna since the 86 Cyclone sheared the roof off the high school. You from uh, Texas, Mr. Peru? Oh, uh, I'm from all over. 
I'll say you was in the Marines. Four years. What is it, Chow Ben? What's Chow Ben? How old are you? Twenty. A lot of women, kids, and old people died at Chow Ben. You was on a ship, partner. Pretty hard to make contact with the people when you're out floating in the fucking Gulf of Tonkin. Come on, Bobby. Have yourself another glass of Jack, okay? Don't mind if I fucking do. Speaking of Jack, one-eyed Jack's yearning to go a peeping in a seafood store. <laughs> okay, there's a barrage of that guy and that lady actors in that scene, like a shit ton of them. But this whole film has a bunch of these fucking actors that we could name off that are beloved cult or character actors. Like we haven't even really talked about how Harry Dean Stanton is the boyfriend yeah. like fucking it all yeah. we haven't even really brought it up because there's just so much stuff being thrown at us i mean cheryl well, sherilyn fenn i didn't even talk about how much i fucking enamored with cheryl fenn i'm just so in love with that actress and we didn't even bring her up david patrick kelly was one of the thugs that shot the guy in the back of the head actually he's the one that shot the guy in the fuck the back of the fucking head he's fucking t-bird you know he was uh the original firebug guy in uh the longest yard like there's so many any fucking actors in this fucking strabo was the hotel guy strabo from the whole 10 yards <laughs> was the hotel guy talking about the accident um the guy who played buddy was uh he's a character actor who's done a ton of stuff the one that i know him the most for uh there's two movies uh constantine he was the monk who drank himself to death because he couldn't deal with the the horrid visions that he had he almost always plays mentally uh ill people in some way shape or form because he's so fucking good at it uh devil's candy he was the guy that had to keep playing metal guitar to keep the voices out and when he couldn't he had to kill for them uh, in the devil's candy and then obviously identity is like the role that like I love the most from that guy <laughs> His name is Pr uh, Pruitt Taylor Vince. I, I had to look him up. And then yeah. fucking 00 Spool, who tells this crazy, weird fucking story. That's Jack Nance. That's fucking Eraserhead, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot in this scene to unpack. Uh, then we get a, a, a bunch of uh, plus-size ladies who run out and are nude and dancing. They're the ones uh, making and, the adult film that's happening yeah. in four, Texas an, style. An older gentleman and a younger gentleman just kind of walking the grounds. And, and then, of course, the strangest thing out of all of that bobby <laughs> yeah william defoe walks up like that's his intro is like these yeah these ladies that are in uh, what i'm assuming is plus size porn because they said it's texas yeah. style so I'm, everything's bigger in texas right i right? guess that's it must the, be that's the reference he was making and yeah they are larger and lovely ladies and yes. then fucking bobby <laughs> william defoe's character walks out and he just walks out like a thing out of hell like he just slithers out of the desert like a monster yeah it's horrifying <laughs> it's it's awesome I mean, just that being his entrance is the most William Defoe thing I've ever seen in my life. I feel like somebody slipped me a 10 strip by this point in the movie because yeah. I'm like, what the fuck am I seeing? And then there's just the, the old guy, his young companion who, does he have a leash on him? 
Kind of looked like that to me, yes. Yeah, yeah, I think he has a leash on him. I mean, it's all just fucking insane. Sensory overload. Brilliant, yeah, which is what David Lynch loves doing to people, is he loves, like, overloading them. By the way, that's also the end of that 20 minutes, so, uh, you know. There you go. That was a weird twenty minutes. I, things are. I'm kind oh, of wondering. I'm kind of wondering if Bobby is going to be a Tin Man or not. Cause he also doesn't really have a heart. He's kind of a sick, sadistic prick. Yeah, but like, if, well, I mean, nobody says you have to meet him in order. Maybe that woman is the cowardly lion. Yeah, but she's not really part of the story. He just goes. She just goes to talk to him. Like he just goes yeah, to talk to her. And that's then, true. That's it. But you know, Bobby's the next part of the journey. Um, they already kind of met, and they had to abandon the scarecrow. Yeah, <laughs> I mean. I'm I'm just loosely trying to figure out who might be what, but it's very clearly Oz in some way, shape, or form. She's even seeing her mother as the Wicked Witch. Well, I mean, Toto gets brought up by that old guy talking about his dog. Yeah. So all the all the hitmen are basically like the flying monkeys and the minions of the witch. All the stuff the witch uses, they they represent all of those different things. Yeah. Um. So. Uh. Okay. So then, uh, they decide to go back to the room, and she's kind of laying down the bed, and he just sits in a chair by the window. Uh, you can tell this is all starting to grate on them, too. It's almost overloading their sensors. And for some reason, she has a flashback to her rape. And then more than that, she has a flashback to a medical procedure. Is she getting an abortion there? Yes. What's yes. What's, okay. what's basically happening is she's realizing why she feels so queasy. She's realizing why everything doesn't feel right because she's felt this way before and she had to get an abortion. And that's how that's her brain putting it together that she is pregnant. Yes. Because she's remembering when the last time this happened and she had to get an abortion because of the rape. Well, she tells him that she has something to tell him, but she can't say it. So she's going to write it down. She writes it down and it does, in fact, say I'm pregnant. Um. So he um he says he's cool with that. And he's cool with all of it. And she then says, but she's not so sure she's cool with it. But she also says, no Um, offense, baby, but I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. And it's nothing to do with him, but more about the world in general being the state that it's in. So, um... They kind of just sit there in silence a little bit, but he's uh, a very forward-thinking man, so he's like, "Hey, it's it's uh, it's her body, so it's her uh, her choice on that." So, uh, well, he does basically say that he will be with her either way. Yeah, whatever the decision you- she makes, he's going to be with her to support her with it. He does say something to that effect. Exactly. So, I mean, you're like, okay, well, I mean, that's that's good. I mean, <laughs> other than the fact yeah. that he's a horrendously violent dude that's very quick to anger, he's actually quite a loving and wonderful man. Yeah, I mean, especially to her, which is uh, maybe the most important part there. Um, yeah, as long as you're respectful around him, he's not going to fuck you up. But man, if you're fucking yeah, I mean, asking he for hangs, it, he's going to he knock you down. The, yeah, he hangs out with all these weird people and, you know, he's not violent to any one of them. You know, you know, as long as you're not a shithead to him, it seems he'll be pretty cool to you. Uh, and even that, if you're a shithead to him, he seems like he's okay with to a point. Yeah, I, yeah you really have to, I think really cross a line for him to get pissed. I mean, let's remember, yeah, he beat a guy to death, but that guy was trying to kill him. And told him he was paid to do it. Yeah, so... I mean, you know, let's let's give maybe we should start giving uh, Sailor a break on this one. It's like, yeah, okay, yeah, he, he has some violence, but I mean, yeah, but the fact that he beat a man to death with his bare hands still terrifies me about him. That's the point. You're supposed yeah, to still yeah. be afraid of him. Well, you know, sometimes things happen. His propensity uh, for violence is supposed to make you weary. <laughs> he has a propensity for violence. <laughs> So, um, I'm sorry I use words you have to look up immediately. No, no, no. I didn't have to look anything up. I can't look up things that fast online. I'm not that good. <laughs> 
So the next day, uh, weird Bobby shows up and he says he needs to use their toilet. Um, sailor's out of the room, uh, uh, working on the car. And so weird Bobby goes in there and he, you know, he fucking uses the bathroom and then he comes out and he gets a uh, real fucking rapey real fucking quick. And he grabs her by the throat and demands that she starts saying, I want you to fuck me. I want you to fuck me. That's what she, he keeps demanding of her. And she, does she relent? I don't think she does. No, she, she actually, she actually does whisper it because he's, Oh, she does. Okay. He's full on sexually assaulting her. He is is. digitally penetrating her her and choking her at the same time, telling her to say it. And it's horrific and uncomfortable. Very. And right when you're kind of like, I mean, holy shit, now the fuck, what's going to happen now? Um, he lets her go and says, well, I can't right now because I'm busy. Because she, that's he what laughs she, that's, and leaves. That's because she, he finally got her to say, I want you yeah. to fuck me or something along those lines. And immediately after she said it, he made that joke and walked off just so he could make her feel like shit because he's a piece of fucking garbage. Yes. To all of that. He is definitely a piece of human garbage. Um, so then he goes and he sees, um, uh, well, after he leaves, she understandably starts bawling her fucking eyes out because she was just sexually assaulted by a fucking creep. And she's obviously so. not over the first time that she was sexually assaulted or even been able to deal with it in any way, shape, or form. They've just covered it up and, like, got all Southern about it and told her to yeah. have the vapors about it or some shit. Some, yeah, whatever the fuck they're doing over there. So she's right back there the minute he starts sexually assaulting her to that helpless 13-year-old girl being beaten and raped. And it's obvious the way that Laura playing it on her face that that's what's happening to her and she's just so helpless and she just starts crying and it's so heartbreaking because yeah they don't flinch away from the aftermath the, the aftermath of what happens to someone who is violated in such a way it sticks with it in so much that you have to suffer what she's feeling at that moment and if you have any empathy at all it should cut you right to the bone because laura and dern fucking plays it so well she just she, everything rips her fucking heart out and throws it at you on this screen she, she fucking destroys destroys this scene just destroys it it's fucking well acted on this one well acted um so uh bobby then he goes to sailor and he asks him to head out for a beer with him and sailor agrees to go have a beer because of course sailor has no fucking clue what bobby's just done dude the fucking balls this guy has to fucking sexually assault this woman and then immediately go off to her bow and take him out for a drink. What the The fuck? fucking hubris of this asshole is unfucking believable Yeah, disgusting. Gross as shit. Mm, Don't like it. No, sir. I don't like it. We then join them having a beer and that is our next clip. I've been studying the situation over in Lobo. Take two men to handle it. What's that? Feed store keeps up to 5K and they're safe. Need me a good boy for backup. Even split. He interested? No, man. I don't think so. Be easy, sailor. There's two employees. I take them in the back to open the safe, and you just keep the door covered. You ain't planning on raising a family in the big tuna, are you? (laughs) Wait a minute. What What do you mean by family? 
Well, I mean, like Lula being in a family way and all. Lula tell you she's pregnant? Couple of grand or two sure would give you two a leg up. Get you out to West Coast, Mexico, just about any place with a couple of dollars in your jeans. I got a big good sailor. When did you talk to Lula? Uh, I talked to her this afternoon. When you was out. Did, did she really, did she really say she was pregnant? <laughs> I just took a guess, that's all. You in or out on this deal? I ain't fucking sure, Bobby. Don't take too long to think about it. Wow, what fucking balls. Then he freely admits that they were there so that Sailor could ask what might have happened. Like, he specifically yeah. wants Sailor to know what's going on or to see what's happening. So, well, there's a reason for that, but the f sheer fucking audacity at this. Bobby's a fucking bad person. <laughs> he is the fucking devil incarnate. He's so fucking evil. He is just fucking gross. Disgusting. So, at, yes, at that point, they go outside and Bobby shows him, like, the weapons in the trunk they'll use and then we go into this weird like someone's viewing them from a crystal ball much like the good witch or the wicked witch would view them only the wicked witch really views them in crystal balls during the movie that's true yeah that's true um uh so then sailor gets back to his uh the hotel room and uh lulu she warns him that bobby is the black angel and to stay away from him uh but never she doesn't tell him what happened earlier well no because if she does sailor will murder the guy and she's gonna lose sailor again yeah so later on, um, we see Bobby stops by that one lady's place that Sailor had talked to. Yeah, and that's uh, Isabella Rossellini, I believe, at the it, time was yes. David Lynch's wife, or was ah. at one point in time they were in an item, they were together. Well, we see a photo on the wall of the two hit people with this lady who had just killed the mother's boyfriend. Um, Bobby, then they talk and they go, what'd you tell him? You know, because she's like, yeah, he stopped by here to see if there's contracts out. And, what he, and she goes, what'd he say? She goes, I said there was nothing. He goes, good. And he goes, you know, lots of accidents happen during jobs. And we see Bobby has a silver dollar. So he is a part of the assassin creed thing yes so is he the tin and that man closes and out that 20 minutes okay so is he the tin man and she's the cowardly lion but then yes. they're part of the hitmen so they work for the witch yes so maybe we will see the tin man later and the cowardly lion maybe we aren't there yet maybe they haven't gotten to their oz yeah possible um so that's that 20 minutes. We're going now into the final 20. Bobby uh, drives up and he's with that lady. Uh, Sailor is not happy about this. It's a change. He's like, I don't know why she's here, but he still goes along. The robbery starts and Bobby shoots one of the clerks right away. And Sailor kind of takes out his own gun and tells him to settle down. And Bobby says, you're next. And then Sailor tries to shoot him, but the gun only clicks. While all this is happening, a cop, while Isabella Rossellini is just stopped in her car, a cop asks her, you know, hey, are you having car trouble? And she's like, yeah, yeah, or no, I'm just waiting for somebody. He's like, oh, okay. And he's kind of just, this cop's just hanging around like a, a whole lot. Like, you don't know why he's asking this much unless he's hitting on her. He's um, either hitting on her or he knows something's up and he's just waiting because she's acting all sorts of sus. 
Yes, yeah, she is acting sus. Very sus. Um, so then we cut back into the store, and right as Bobby's getting ready to shoot, a clerk grabs a gun, and Bobby shoots him. Sailor's able to run out and hits the ground as the cop kind of, you know, he hears the shooting, and the cop tells him to get down. Bobby comes out, and the cop shoots Bobby a fucking metric ton before blowing his head into pieces. Ah, uh, that's not exactly how it happens, though. Okay, go ahead. The cop shoots him a fucking metric ton. Yeah. He falls down, and in the way that he falls down, he ends up up shooting himself with the shotgun oh, accidentally I'm sorry, yeah. blowing off his own fucking head this and is the sequence just this, yeah go ahead we see the stocking camp of meat hit the ground and even at that point sailor goes poor guy <laughs> like oh man that sucks <laughs> that was significantly cut down to get it in our rating apparently it was so graphic and you just see bits of skull and everything going like it's so realistic that they had to cut Jesus. it down and i wish i could see it and if you look that bits of meat in the stocking there's clearly teeth and stuff in that section yeah yeah, they, it they was like a, really a piece of skull and jaw. It was really gruesome. Then we have a funny little scene. The two clerks are alive. They're shot. One of their hands was shot off, and they're looking for it. And with the other clerk going, oh, yeah, they'll just sew that right back on. We don't even have to worry about it. We just got to find it. They'll sew it back on at the hospital. And we see a dog walking out the back with the uh with the uh, uh with the hand yeah. so they're they're not going to get that hand back we actually do get to see i think don't we do get to see bobby shoot the guy's hand off cuz he's a guy that has a gun right and bobby yeah. shoots him in the hand yeah i just couldn't see it that well so i guess i just i i didn't see i know he shot the guy i just didn't know he shot him in the hand yeah he blew his uh, fucking the, hand off and then the other guy he shot him in the gut yeah yeah i thought he shot him both in the gut so i was like okay well I, I mean for some reason they're still living so fuck it um so and then while this goes on uh, isabella rossellini she drives away she just runs um so you know that's why we're, she's like maybe she's the cowardly lion yeah she should be the cowardly lion and that would make bobby the tin man yeah because he had no heart yeah but he could technically be the scarecrow because he, he only had a brain oh yeah well i think we saw the scarecrow already that <laughs> yeah girl. no, no that... she was the scarecrow he's the tin yeah. man because he literally has no heart everything he did yeah. was to try and get sailor to come after him so he had an excuse to kill him and get away yep, with it and then get much. paid for it that was the whole thing he was planning and trying to do and then she's the cowardly really lying because like you said she runs away so that's yeah. that's perfect for me so then lord dern's mom finds her and hugs her and then santo says hey do you have a hug for me he hugs her she screams because fuck she's horrified of this guy and her mom looks equally as horrified like she's like oh, i i think i really fucked up here and then we cut to sailor is back in jail and that is our final clip dearest sailor darling the first thing you'll want to know is I'm keeping the baby. Mama wasn't for it in the beginning, but I think she's looking forward to it. I'm gonna name it Pace, no matter if it's a boy or a girl. It's kind of hard to believe that Pace will be six years old when you get out. Our child. I love you, sailor. I miss dancing and talking, and especially the other. Yeah, so she keeps the baby, and uh, she's going to miss some boning. So you know, Yeah, hey, that's yeah. where I thought that she might be remaining celibate till he gets out of jail so that they can be together. I think she's waiting yeah. for him. So now uh, we get a pop-up. It's been five years, ten months, 21 days later. Uh, we see a pic of uh, Lulu and their, her son. The mom calls her and tells her not to pick up Sailor. Says, you know, change your mind. Just change your mind. Don't do it. You don't have to do it. And 
Laura kind of goes nutty on her, tells her to go to hell, and throws water on a picture she has of her. Um, driving there, they see an accident, and a dude just laying there dying, and she tells her son to get, you know, down so he doesn't have to see that. Did you recognize Pace? Did he ring any bells for you, or did you think you've seen him in anything before? Not that I could tell. Okay, it was bugging the shit out of me. I was trying to figure it out, like, for fucking ever, why do I know this little kid? What's so familiar about him? He is Lloyd Dobler's nephew, Jason, in Say Anything. (laughs) He's the little man who screams, Kia, it's the same actor. Huh, all right then. Way to go. Yeah. <laughs> it was bugging me I like the whole time that. I was watching the movie and like I had to look it up and that's how I figured out what it was that I was recognizing him from. Oh, nice. <laughs> so, well, they uh, they pick him up and while driving back, Laura, Laura has to pull over. She's she's having a lot of issues with him being back. It's almost like she's having a hard time accepting it. Um, Sailor decides that maybe it's just best that he leaves them there and uh, doesn't uh, go like with them anywhere. Um, he's going to leave and, uh, he says goodbye to his son and she's like, oh, wait, no, you don't have to leave. And he goes, I think it's best for both of us because she's not really, for some reason, not taking it while that he's back. And he starts walking away and then he gets surrounded by some guys and they beat the living shit out of him. And as he lays there, he sees Glinda the Good Witch and she convinces him to go back to Laura because she loves him and will stick next to him no matter what. He gets up. Well, he had earlier called these group of men a, uh, a homophobic slur. Yes. And he um, apologizes for calling them that and then thanks him, thanks them for teaching him a valuable uh, life lesson. Yeah. And then he um, walks away, leaving them his luggage. Yes. He walks away and they all look very confused, but that's fine. He then chases after Lola and the mother keeps crying. Uh, uh, to Lola, the mother of Lola keeps crying as her picture disappears. It evaporates because the water was thrown on it. The, mom- the memory of her mother has dissipated like the wicked witch when she got covered in water yes so i mean hey that's that's good the wicked witch is dead um which old witch the ding dong the wicked (laughs) the stupid witch no i don't um he gets caught up with them or he uh chases after lola uh he catches up he finds her in traffic they make out it start kissing. They are back together, happier than ever. Um, y- you know, yay, everyone. Um, and as the credits roll, he sings her Love Me Tender, which lets us know he plans on marrying her. Roll credits. So Oz, in this case, is their life together. Yeah. The help along the way is the people that force events upon them to help them grow as people, including prison time for Sailor and the separate time for Laura Dern's character. And the reason that Laura Dern's character, Lulu, is crying is because she has grown as a person. She's become a mother. She's been so focused on raising her child that it has forced her to grow up. And she's obviously been doing it alone because she's living in a different house and her mother can only reach her on the phone. She no longer lives with her mother. Her mother cannot control her. She's living on her own. She has her own money. She's taking care of herself. She's become an adult and now she's beyond Sailor other than her emotions for him and she needs to know that he's going to be in it for the long haul because she's got a lot to, to do to raise him too. Yeah, he even tells her that, you know, he, she's doing better without him than she ever has before. Exactly. And so there's no room for him really in her life other than the fact that she loves him. And all she wants to know is that he's going to be there for her 
her too. She's grown. Yeah. She's done the work she needed to, to be a whole person. And now she's going to help him become a whole person as well. But she needs to know that he's committed to be with her. And that's all she was looking for. That's all she was crying about. Cause she's just so overwhelmed with everything all at once. And just kind of coming to a realization about herself. And that's what scares him. He's terrified of a woman who has her shit together and is terrified of trying to take care of someone that's also damaged, you know? <laughs> and so he runs off. He can't deal with his shit. And he thinks he's the baddest motherfucker on the face of this earth. And he's surrounded by a gang of guys who can absolutely kick his ass, which was his wake up call that he's not going to be able to go it alone either. Just trusting his anger and his fists. Uh, the concussion that he got is basically the fairy lady that comes to visit the, the good witch of the North that tells him to haul ass back to his Oz and be with her. So he fucking does after he apologizes to the guy and then they're happy together, you know? Well, and he finally accepts that, you know, he can be with a strong woman. Right. And this obviously, um, well, I don't know if it's obvious, but uh, Lynch has changed drastically the book that this was based on. And I don't know anything about the book. I've only ever seen the film, but I know that this was based on a book called Wild at Heart. And it has a lot of the same kind of heavy imagery and stuff like that to it. But who knows what David Lynch did to the book? Because how David Lynch sees things is completely different than the rest of us. <laughs> this, this is very much, fa- I would be, it, it must be awkward. I mean, can you imagine living a day inside that guy's brain? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I would be horrified yet also I'm fascinated to want to try it. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, it's just like, how many <laughs> bad trips has this guy had? Right. So it's... It- David Lynch is an incredible filmmaker. He's powerful. He knows what he's doing, even if we don't. I yes. totally fucking believe that. And I like that he doesn't really want to explain too much about what he's thinking and what he's feeling, because in his mind, it kind of taints the experience for you. <laughs> you know, and he's like the one director who says that kind of shit. And I really, truly believe it because he doesn't seem like the kind of guy to mince words because he went fucking nuts finding out that people watch movies on phones. He's so like angry about that one thing that I'm pretty sure if he had a message to convey that he wanted people to know, you know, that he needed to explain to them, he would fucking tell them. Yeah. So he, he means to do things the way that he does them. I truly believe that in his films that I'm sure there is some kind of a message there. Maybe I don't get it, but I'm so overloaded with my senses with this film that I can't help but totally fucking love it. And I kind of can decipher it, but every time I watch it, I change my mind about what something like the next time I watch it, I probably will have no idea who I think is the Tin Man. I'll probably change it yeah. to somebody else, I'm sure. But that's just how I saw it this time around. And that's what I love about the movie. Uh, it's a fucking, yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting movie. Um, It is fucking nutty. It is crazy. It is... It is David Lynch all the way. <laughs> 100%. Well, yeah. I would like to do some side news because it's been a really long time since we've done some. So let's uh, let's do some like a quick story and then we will close out the show. Okay. Word up. All right. We're going to take a little break here. We're going to play a brand new to us this time around promo because I'm switching things out. Question mark apostrophe. I can't understand punctuation. We're going to have some more music <laughs> that I stole right out of the film. And when we come back, we will do some side news. Are you having trouble keeping up with the ebbs and flows of modern geekery? Is the real world holding you back from knowing what is happening in the geeky world? To answer these and other personal problems brought in by your friends, gaming group, and loved ones, Geek Radio Daily presents daily informational sessions brought to you by the wonderful Billy Flynn, the Flynnstress, and podcasting's Rich Siegfried. They contain such helpful segments as history, geek birthdays, box office results, the latest in DVD and Blu-ray, video game and comic releases. Why, they also have a Sweekly show hosted by the wonderful Billy Flynn and the Flynnstress, which includes interviews and commentary. 
And to make sure you are informed, Geek Radio Daily also provides you with your daily dose of geek news to make sure you know more than that jerk know-it-all Steve. Visit us at geekradiodaily.com. That's right, Geek Radio Daily. All the geek without the weight. Now available in fine Corinthian leather. People talk about David Lynch's visual sensibilities in film. Most people tend to not really discuss or focus in on his propensity for certain styles of audio. And the music that I have picked, I feel, is the most representative of David Lynch's particular style of theme in music that comes through. It's very much like we would get in uh, Twin Peaks and that kind of stuff. And you just, you can feel it. And like the minute you hear that music, if you got a credit that's rolling over some grass and following a blub, or something like that you know you're in a david lynch film like that's how you can tell yeah all right <laughs> okay i know you want to go you want to get done so give me some news. This one comes from a... That's our boy Witch from uh, Witch versus the Doomsday Clock and Gangs of Hollywood podcast. Dating website for men with small penises sees tens of thousands of signups. Mm, tears are good lube. Shut up. Are you talking about penises? We are. All right. It's a dating website time. for men with small penises has proved surprisingly popular. It's micro penis time. Tens of thousands of new users during its launch. It's micro penis time. <laughs> the niche dating website, Dinky One. My dick and balls men- are worth a lot more than $60 caters to men in the UK who are less well endowed and men and women who want to date them. Did Don't he stick the needle down his pee hole? They stated that you are not to forget the average size means that 50% of males in the world are bigger and 50% are smaller, Dinky One's website reads. Therefore, 50% of people who are in a relationship have a smaller than average size penis. This means that the smaller penis is not a barrier to dating or having a relationship. Well, fucking duh. Yeah. Uh, the founder said within two days of the launch in March, they had 33,000 users sign up to the site, uh, according to the Daily Mail. About a fifth of those were men who identified as gay or bi, but the site is open for all genders and sexualities. I'm taking another dick. Uh, one user who goes by the name Z28 said that she's on the site because she finds sex with a larger man hurts. She says she finds sex painful with a man bigger than 10 centimeters. 
And in the past, she's had to resort to oral, but misses that close intimacy of sex. She says she can hardly ask a new potential partner with dating about their size, and they may be exaggerated anyway. Whoa, whoa, whoa. She said anyone longer than 10 centimeters is too painful for her? Yeah. That's almost four inches, dude. Is it? Yeah. I mean, that's what that's what's in the article, man. Right. I just so I, I had to I, I had to know and I feel very sorry for that uh, young woman. And um Yeah, that's 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 a that's that's got to be a rough life there. I I'm just gonna hey, I'm just gonna fucking shut up from there because I feel but, like I'm getting into real dangerous territory. But I feel sorry for that young woman. Yeah yeah yeah, that's bad. It, Lord knows I wasn't gonna read it exactly how it was quoted in there, or else this, that would have been clip central. Oh son uh, of a bitch! Coming to me! <laughs> Come on! I've had seven dicks inside of me. Said dating had previously been very complicated for him. A lot of his mates had found their partners from friends of friends or via work, he said. Imagine the situation when one of these relationships fails. She's likely to mention the size of his, uh, you know, member to his friends and then gossip spreads, he said. He said it was better to date online where everyone knows in advance. Well, that, that uh, makes sense. I mean, you know, yeah. instead of being humiliated by having somebody like say a bunch of shit and airing out your personal business, just fucking own it and take it out front. Take the power from it. Exactly. There's a pressure on all genders to conform to ideals set by TV, film, and even porn. The adult entertainment industry only casts males with well over average-sized penises. David Minns, the founder of Dinky Wood, said in a statement, In addition, adverts on major porn sites advertise dubious products to increase penis size. All of this makes a man already insecure about his size and even more self-conscious. Well, yeah, Some but men are that's, big. that's not the thing that should be fucking defining you. I mean... <laughs> No, it shouldn't, but you know, they're just trying to help. I know. I get it. I get it. I get it. Um, I actually really like where this, this article is taking it. And now I feel like a shit for trying to make any jokes about it and have fun with it because have fun with it. You know what? People get to have fun. Yeah. And I'm proud of these fucking guys for coming out and just taking it and just saying, Hey, this is the case. This is what's going on. This is who I am. Fucking deal with it and love me for who I am. That's awesome. This is, this is who I am. Yeah. Um, some men are big, some average, and some below average. Dickie wouldn't let smaller men date people outside their circle of friends with the safety that everyone using the site is fully aware. Members can focus on shared interests and go on with dating. Uh, news.com.au contacted Dickie one for a comment. So then they got it. So there you go. So maybe a little bright spot in the darkness that was 2020. Got a, got a site for everyone. There's a little something for everyone out there in the world. And you guys, you, know, you just got to look. But there's a little something for everyone out there. <laughs> the world's a lot smaller with the internet now. There's something out there for everyone. Yeah. You don't have to sit in a fucking basement and spew out a bunch of bullshit and put it out as a podcast, making yourself feel better by denigrating somebody else. No, no. That's something for everyone. See, there's something for everyone. Oh. You can do that. Oh. That is your something you found. Oh, cool. So as long as you're the victim, we're good? Well, I mean, anybody can be your victim. <laughs> oh everybody keep that in mind when that we're gonna play the ending legion promo we're gonna have a little bit more music straight out of wild and art when we come back we will close out this fucking show if you enjoyed this show then make sure you check out the other great shows on the legion podcast network like cinema psyops cinema beef devour the podcast duncan and Bo come correct exploding heads horror movie podcast friday the 13th get slayed the hell Ming power hour hello this is the doom show hero hero ghost show kill the cast underwater kaiju from outer space jerry hates action legion after dark metal health obsessive cinema discourse 
Pick 6 Movies, the podcast by The Cemetery, the podcast on Haunted Hill, the Psycho-Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Which Versus the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found. Thank you. Yeah, well, I actually, I actually, I actually think that he did quite a decent job with singing the Elvis tune. I think he put his heart and soul into that, and I'm not, to, I'm not gonna just like belittle him for it or anything. It's just that that is way too slow. We're both punchy. This has been a long fucking episode, and we gotta, we, we, we've had enough. We gotta move it was on. It's a longer movie. Yeah, you know, you're, you know, you're in for a higher quality movie when it's above an hour and a half. <laughs> not necessarily. The length of time does not make it a good film because I've I'm seen just saying, some plenty of long fucking shit. Okay, I'm just saying recently. How about that? Oh, yeah? Well, maybe with what we're covering, but I mean, the sequel that was made of I Spit on Your Grave is two and a half fucking hours of torment. Oh, fuck. <laughs> okay. Oh, no, you're right. All right. I'm, I'm not saying it was all movies. I was just saying recently. How about that? Right. I just don't think that's a very good slide rule to go with. And other mistakes that Matt has made can be found at legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema That's where all of our previous episodes of Matt constantly fucking up and bungling all right there the english language uh. <laughs> you can also join our facebook group cinema psyops where some of the finest in alternative photography is back on the fucking menu you guys are all maniacs all of you oh. every single one of you that has made something has gotten a chuckle out of me and i greatly appreciate it that's cinema psyops on facebook that's some high quality memes you can also find me on facebook i am court psyops and you can find matt on facebook as well he is matt psyops you're also available through email because apparently Matt never fucking checks his messenger, though he promised that he did, but he hasn't since July. Well, yeah. You can also email feedback, psyopmatt at gmail.com, but I'm starting to seriously fucking doubt he's ever fucking checked that either. I'll do it better. I'll be better. You can email feedback to court, cinemasyopscourt at gmail.com, and let them know Matt's a piece of shit that doesn't get back to you. You already know that. Why would they tell you that? <laughs> I mean, in specific instances, I suppose. Oh, that I'm a, the reason why I'm a piece of shit. Not that I'm just a piece of shit. I gotcha. Okay. <laughs> 
Uh, you can tweet a couple of tweets on the hate-filled shit fest uh, that also thinks that Matt might be a piece of shit. Just Twitter. Hey, Twitter thinks everyone's a piece of shit, and we all know that. Well, I'm a piece of shit at court underscore psyop, and he's a piece of shit at psyop Matt. <laughs> You can also follow us on Instagram and see all the pieces of shit I post there. Yeah, because you are a piece of shit. <laughs> it's cinema underscore psyops on the Instagram. I am fucking done. I am fucking boiled in the brain. I got you nothing left. <laughs> There's nothing to do. So just like Nicolas Cage's character, kick the fuck out of this week and make it your bitch. Transferring the audio files for the clips over to the soundboard right now. Cool, cool. And complete. And complete. Okay, are you recording on your side yet? Uh, I am now. One, two, three. Yeah, so if you're running behind or whatever, like the like if you haven't even edited the clips or whatever, just text me sometime at work if you think about it and be like, hey, dude, I'll need a little extra time tonight. I haven't done the clips yet. Just all I need is a heads Typically, up. I never, I never really have that much of a problem. Uh, computer works slow today. It, like I said, it's not a big deal. I totally understand, man. It takes yeah. time to do that shit, especially the more clips that you have or whatever. I just, and then I didn't get to watch the movie till late last night. And then I didn't realize the person who directed it until halfway through. And I'm like, why is this so fucking weird? <laughs> I'm like, never mind. Fucking Lynch. <laughs> uh, yes, this is totally David Lynch film. Absolutely. David Lynch is fucking weird, man. Save it. Tamp right. it down. Bottle right. it the fuck up. Seriously, though, if you just need more time, just fucking let me know. I just need, like, an update because I'm waiting on you for clips or whatever. Yeah, so I gotcha. Just let me know, like, hey, I didn't upload them last night. Or I didn't upload them. Yeah, I'll do it after work. Or I need to okay. work on them. I need more time. Just just tell me, man. It's cool. I'm. You got it. You're, you're buying too much into the fucking character of Court that's on this show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to fucking you know, rip it's into you. It's not even that. I just think I'm always going to get it done and then fucking... Well, especially these clips are kind of weird. It, it, it's because it's fucking David Lynch. So it's like it, it, trying to find a clip that. Well, okay, none of them make any sense. So, okay. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I'm like, I, I chose some of the weirdest shit just because, you know, if we're going to do David Lynch, I might as well get the weirdest shit out there. Look, I don't do David Lynch. I ingest it on orders from my neurophysiologist. <laughs> Yes, gross point blank. I don't do it. I ingest it. <laughs> I love the line after where he says, on orders of my neurophysiologist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
so you're recording. I'm recording. Let's let's get this fucking going because you're just throwing out gold about how weird you think Lynch is, and you're just wasting it, man. <laughs> well, I mean, you can always put it in afterwards. Well, yeah, I'm gonna fucking do that, but like you're spoiling <laughs> it for me. I, I'm trying yeah. to like I want some joy out of this too. <laughs> 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 now I know what your wife feels like, and we're going to start the show. Ah. Oh, this one is, uh, finish chewing your ice first, Cars. Nobody needs to hear you chew ice on here. <clears throat> supposed to suck it. <laughs> mm, clip? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, could you come on in a creepier fucking way to try and turn somebody on? I mean, it is fucking weird real weird right so i mean she might moms. as well just be like why don't we have some mother daughter action which yeah. case would be like more of a you know a sale for me oh i'm just Jesus, saying man you can't do that all right that's that's <laughs> wrong it's just it's wrong listen you why judgmental you prick <laughs> <laughs> i mean you're terrible court so terrible you're fucking lucky that one of my kinks is being shamed <laughs> Because I'm enjoying so, myself either way. Let's move on. All right, all right. What? Who doesn't want a strip performer to, you know, encourage him and help him out while he's taking a dump and talking on the phone, marking a hit? Who doesn't need that? I, I, I don't. Wow, man. I mean, you are so fucking uptight. <laughs> just fucking repressed. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Can't have somebody perform a strip tease while you take a shit and talk on the phone and book a hit. Yeah, right? Uh, I know, man. I'm so fucking terrible. Square. Um, and that's our next clip. I'm gonna run to the John during this one. Oh, all right. Shit, the clip ended, didn't it? Yep. <laughs> all right, I'm back. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> I love when uh, you dig it yourself to come back at me. <laughs> Just take it away from me, Court. I own it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you take the power from me denigrating you, and it's not cool, man. <laughs> You're harshing my buzz, Matt. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm here for. Oops, I'm a fuck up. There we go. Redo it. Just like Nicolas Cage's character, kick the fuck out of this week and make it your bitch. Woo. <laughs> All right. And I have stopped recording.